0: Today. Um, title of the sermon today is Elisha's Three Word Prayer. Now, we heard about a three word prayer recently that was prayed over Barry. Wasn't that a wonderful, wonderful testimony from Barry? I keep, I'm still hearing about that. I, I'm still hearing about that from a lot of people. So, uh, praise God. And he told us about a prayer that was prayed for him. Get him, God. Very effective prayer. You should try that sometime uh, on someone, maybe on yourself. Get me, God. (laughs) Um, And today I'm going to talk about another three-word prayer that was prayed by Elisha. This is a very good prayer to pray. So let's look at this story that you may or may not be familiar with. And a little bit of background before we get into this passage. This story, this historical account, takes place roughly 800 years B.C., and it's the time of the kings, and the king of Israel at this time, his name is Jehoram, all the kings of Israel were bad. There were a couple good kings of Judah, but this was another wicked king who led God's people astray, led them into idol worship, the worship of Baal and all kinds of other idols. And because this kept happening, the people kept running from God and turning to idols, God in his mercy allowed pagan slash enemy nations to come against them to get their attention, to mercifully get their attention to say, hey, you're my people. I want you don't run from me. This is your wake-up call. And so you see this repeated cycle in the Old Testament with Israel time and time again. So in this passage, the king of Israel is Jehoram, and Ben-Hadad is the king of Syria. There were three different Ben-Hadads. This is one of them, kings of Syria, and he is making war against Israel. And God spoke to Israel in this in these times through the prophets, and so you may have heard of Elijah and elijah's successor. remember Elijah, if you don 't know, you may have heard of the prophet who who um, went up into heaven in a fire a chariot of fire. he never died. God just took him like that. and so his successor was elisha. and elisha is the prophet of Israel at the time this story happened, and elisha was so in tune with God, just as Elijah was, he walked so closely with God that God would give him intel on the king of Syria. God would just tell him, hey, he's coming, he's over here, he's camped with his army in such and such a place. And so Elisha would then take that information, that intel, to Jehoram, the king of Israel, and say, hey, God let me know that... uh, Ben-Hadad, he's camped out over here, and so Israel kept escaping uh, Syria's army because God spoke to Elisha, and Elisha was one of the prophets that had, he had a working relationship with the king of Israel, even though the king of Israel was so wicked, God was using Elisha to spare Israel from slaughter, from from Syria at this time. So that's the backdrop. And now let's read this account. So 2 Kings, I'm in the New King James translation, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Now the king of Syria, that is Ben Hadad, was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God, that is who? The prophet Elisha, good, the man of God, sent to the king of Israel, that is Jehoram, saying, beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, all right, who's the spy? Which one of you is informing on us to the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. He's so expressive. So he said, that is the king of Syria, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. Now that's kind of dumb. It amazes me how dumb people can be. I mean, he's just been told that this Elisha hears from God and gets military entail on where he is. And so he's going to, tr- thinks he's going to go find him and get him. Like, how dumb is that? Right? Kind of funny. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Now, there's a Dothan, Alabama, not that Dothan, okay? So you know. Verse 14, therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God, now catch that, the servant of the man of God, we don't know his name, It may have been Gehazi, who was his previous servant, but he ended up with leprosy. So I'm not sure who this is. It doesn't say his name. But anyway, it's Elisha's servant. That's who we're talking about now, Elisha's servant. When the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, all right, he's a morning person. He's going out on the balcony to have his coffee and watch the sunrise. There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots and his servant said to him Elisha alas my master what shall we do every single day you and I every single one of us are surrounded by people in our lives and maybe you're one of them you wake up one morning and realize you're surrounded one day to the next, one day everything's fine, next day, boom, suddenly surrounded by an army that's out to get you. And it's true, there is an unseen army that is out to get you. We're going to go to the scriptures for that in a minute. And the question is, what do I do? You ever been in that place? I'm surrounded What do I do? It's a question everyone is asking at some time or another. Everyone. And you and I have asked that when we have felt surrounded. What do I do? Wouldn't it be nice if we had an Elisha? We could just go to him and say, man of God, who hears from God, tell me what to do. I'm surrounded. And and sometimes we do. As we heard this morning, God does speak through us, through his people. But he also wants to speak directly to us because who did Elisha go to? I mean, what man of God did Elisha run to? He didn't have the conferences, the prophets on the internet. He had God, and that was it. Elisha is not special. He was a human being like you and me. And God, look, I've said before, and I'll say it again, you can have as much of God as you want. To the degree you want God to speak to you, you can have it to the degree you listen and spend time with him. Elisha spent a lot of time with God. That's why his servant came to him, not directly to God. He came to him and said, hey, master. We're surrounded. you got to come see this. What do we do? <sighs> Elisha comes out on the balcony where his servant's having coffee, and sure enough, they're surrounded. There are all the Syrians. Somehow he didn't get intel on that. God allowed him to show up right at their doorstop, littering the whole entire front yard. The army of Syria. What do we do? Elisha then proceeded to give his servant a sermon, a two-point sermon, 2 Kings 6.6. 6. And this is the sermon he gave him. So he answered, part one of the sermon, do not fear, part two, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. First of all, who's he talking about? Those who are with us. He's talking about an invisible army, the host of heavens. So he gives him a sermon, a really good sermon. I mean, I could. this is a sermon inside of the sermon. It's a great sermon. Number one, don't be afraid. Number two, I'll tell you why you needn't be afraid, because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And that is a really good sermon to give people. When they come to you with their problems, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. Well, don't be afraid. And here's why you don't have to be afraid. Because there's an invisible realm and those who are on our side are much more in number and much more powerful than what you can see that you think is going to bring you down. That's why you don't have to be afraid. Here's the thing, you can say that, you can preach it in the pulpit for 10 years, you can look at someone and say it till you're blue in the face, you can say it all day, every day, month in, month out, don't be afraid. Look, you don't need to be afraid. I mean, what are the things we fear? You know the list, you know your list, I know mine. Don't be afraid. One of the one of the things we fear the most, how about just public opinion? We are terrified of someone 's opinion that 's just one fear: fear of illness, fear of death, fear of separation, fear of loss, fear of fear of our past, fear of the future, fear of present circumstances. And we can be told either by someone like a prophet or by this book like a prophecy. We can hear it and we can read it for years. Don't be afraid. And here is why those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You can hear that and never believe it. There's a a commentary right here on my Bible. It says, to believe the impossible, one must first see the invisible. And so because that is true, what Elijah did then is after he gave that encouragement, that word, to his servant, don't be afraid, and this is why, he then did something Very important. And this is what we need to do. Because see, you and I, we want to keep preaching. (laughs) We want to keep preaching the sermon. Well, they just won't listen. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm working on them. I'm working on myself. I'm looking in the mirror every day, but I just won't listen. It's like when Ruth was four. (laughs) She would change her clothes constantly, all day long. She'd change her outfit. And I'd walk by her bedroom. There'd be a mountain of clothes in the middle of her her bedroom. And I'd preach to her all the time, Ruth, you got to stop changing your clothes. Ruth, if you keep doing this, I'm going to put a lock on the outside of your door up at the top so you can't get in your room to change your clothes anymore. Preaching the sermon. I keep preaching it. One day, I caught her again. I walked by, and there's the mountain of clothes, and she's got her 16th outfit on. Four years old. I said, Ruth... I'm going to have to, and before I could go any further, she said, I know it. You need to put a lock on my door. It's bad. <laughs> Did that illustration fit? You see, we want to keep on preaching, and we think that we think that our admonition and our encouragement to ourselves or to others to be not afraid, and this is why we think that that's going to be enough, But at some point we have to realize see Ruth had to see her problem finally for what it was. We have to realize that until the person's eyes are open spiritually, until they see into the spirit world and see what is actually going on, our continued admonition and preaching will be ineffective. So the right Thing to do after we speak the word of God and do that, do that, such as Elisha did, then the right thing to do is to pray this prayer. What does he pray? Verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. See, we have to realize that the reason why people don't respond to our attempts at getting them to believe the truth is because they are blind. Well, weren't you? Once upon a time? And how do we treat a blind person in the natural I mean, you, I've, I think I've said this here before. You'd never see a blind person attempting to cross the road. You know, they've, they've got their, their walking stick there. You'd never treat a blind person as though they could help being blind. Well, I can't believe you're so blind. Wow. You've got to finally ever stop being blind. We'd never do that. That's absurd. Compassion is the order of the day and maybe praying for a miracle of opened eyes the miracle of sight that would be the proper response to blindness in the natural would it not and so why do we treat spiritually blind people any differently as though it's re- ultimately their choice to be blind now this is nuanced i mean because yes we can make a choice and be willf- and remain we can remain willfully blind absolutely But there is also this truth in Scripture that says the God of this world has blinded the minds. Let me read that to you. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3. This is a conversation I'd love to have with a non-believer who is resolute against Christianity. I'd, I'd, I'd love to just say, you know what, can you entertain the hypothetical? Can you entertain the possibility that you could be like one of those characters in those movies like The Truman Show, you know, where the person doesn't realize they're part of this bigger picture? They're like a pawn in a game or something. I mean, what if the God of this world, the the spirit of the age, what if there is an unseen and visible force that has actually blinded you so that you cannot believe the truth of who God is? What if? If it's true, you wouldn't know that you're blind. You wouldn't even know what has happened to you. But I feel like any sensible person should be at least able to entertain the hypothetical enough to say, yeah, that could happen. And so we need to have an openness to say, Lord, if I'm missing something, God, if you're really true, and I'm blind to your existence, Open my eyes. I don't want to be that blind person. So Elisha did the right thing because he understood what it tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, are perishing. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. That's a little g God. Who do not believe. That's the result of blindness, see. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So Elisha had wisdom to play, pray this three-word prayer. I'm summarizing the prayer. Open his eyes. Who's blind in your life that you've been preaching to? You've been given the word to till you're blue in the face. You know what? It's time to recognize what Elisha did. It's time to start praying. Open his eyes, open her eyes. And maybe it's you yourself. God, I have heard you telling me not to be afraid. I've heard it. I know this is what you tell me all the time. And I know, I understand here, Lord. I understand that there's an invisible world and that those who are with me are more than those who are against me. God, I know that, but I need to see it. Will you open my eyes so I can see it? Because it's not enough to just hear truth with your natural ears. It's not enough to just see truth with your natural eyes. We need our natural ears, our spiritual ears and eyes to be open. I think I've shared with you, or maybe Dave has, about the time he was in Bible school. He's in a prayer meeting. And they're praying, 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 praying for a while. They're doing spiritual warfare. All of a sudden, God opened Dave's spiritual ears, and for about 10 minutes, right? About 10 minutes, Dave heard with his physical ears. Now, this was a spiritual experience that was manifested in his physical, actual, auditory nerves, his hearing. For about 10 minutes solid, he heard the clashing and clanging of Ancient, ba- an ancient battlefield, swords, spears, shields, yelling. I mean, it's probably like watching Braveheart or something. He heard that for like ten minutes, and he knew God had opened his ears and allowed him to hear what was going on in the spirit world as a result of them doing battle and prayer. It's real. It's real. And the prayer we need to pray is, God, open my ears and open my eyes so that I can see this thing that you've been trying to tell me all my life. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. If I'm blind, open my eyes. I mean, do blind people know what they're missing? No. You think you can get a blind person to describe a sunset or the color magenta? No, not if they've been blind for birth. They cannot possibly describe what they've never seen, and neither can you and I possibly understand enough for it to transform us, the things that God has for us that we have never actually seen with our spiritual eyes. Open his eyes. That's what Elisha prayed. So what happens? Let's go see. Verse 17. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That's some kind of an army. And if your eyes were open right now, your spiritual eyes, you would see something most likely very similar in the spiritual world. You would see a battle being waged between the forces of darkness and and the heavenly army. And what are they fighting for? They're fighting for you and for me every single day. And God wants to open our eyes so that we can see this army, the chariots of fire, the army that is so much bigger and so much more powerful than this army that we think is going to finally do us in and overtake us. He wants us to see the truth, the truth. It doesn't even say if Elisha saw it. Elisha may not have even seen what his servant saw. Elisha knew. He didn't have to see it. He'd walked close enough with God and seen enough and heard enough that he knew. So perhaps he didn't even see with his eyes what, he, what his servant was seeing, but he knew it was there. And God wants you and I to come to a place in our Christian walk where we have such a maturity. We have grown up so much in him that we don't have to see the thing that we are praying for others to see because we know it and we are convinced of it. Elisha knew. If he hadn't known, he would have needed to pray. God opened his eyes to see what I know is right there. You think he was surprised when his servant said, dude, what is this? Hey, it's all the time. It's there all the time. You've just never seen it. It's going to be okay. Now you know why I said don't be afraid. Now you know. Yeah, you really don't have to be afraid, servant open his eyes. Verse 18, so when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. Now that's an interesting prayer. I mean, I would have stopped at strike this people. I think that'd be a good enough prayer. Like, you know, there's another three-word prayer, strike this people. He didn't pray that. Remember, he listens to God. God will tell you how to pray. I mean, that's how much God wants to talk to you, to even tell you how to pray. He says, strike this people with blindness. And God struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Wouldn't that be something if God did something according to the word of Jerry Drake? According to the word of Michelle Macri. But that's how God works. He wants to so put his will and his desires in your heart that your prayer will be his prayer. Your word will be his word in your mouth. And so according to the word of Elisha, God struck them with blindness. Verse 19 says, now Elisha said to them, and I love this. Uh, This would be a great movie. Elisha walks out there to the Syrian army. (laughs) They're all blind. He says, hey, um. Your GPS led you to the wrong spot. I'll take you where you're looking for. Oh, yeah, you're looking for that Elisha. You're, You're looking for the king of Israel. Follow me and his prophet Elisha. I'll take you there. Can you imagine? He leads this entire army holding on to each other because they can't see where they're going, and they're following Elisha's directions away from Elisha, straight into the capital city of Samaria, the capital of Israel, where the king is. He leads them right to the king's front yard. It's amazing. He led them to Samaria, verse 20 says, So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and there they were inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, that's how much he respected this servant of God, this man of God. He was a wicked king. He was not a godly king, but that's the respect he had for this man of God. My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? I mean, he's actually, he he realizes so much that God speaks through Elisha, he's asking him for advice. What do I do with this this blind Syrian army at my disposal? Shall I kill them? Verse 22, but Elisha answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink, And go to their master. This is wisdom for this specific situation that God was giving Elisha. Then he prepared a great feast for them, that is the king of Israel. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. That was a victory. So the prayer we need to pray for ourselves and for those around us who are crippled with fear and don't know what to do. At some point, we stop the sermon, and we direct our voice upward, and we say, God, open their eyes. Open his eyes. I've tried for years, and I can't. Only you, God, can heal the blind God, help us to realize we cannot cure blindness, spiritually or otherwise. <laughs> we think we can. Only God can open blind eyes. So we speak the truth as God directs us with wisdom and with grace, but we speak the truth and then we go to God and say, open his eyes. Open her eyes. God, open my eyes. I need to see why I don't have to be afraid. I know it's true, but I need you to show me. I need you to open my eyes in a way my eyes have never been opened before. Let me see that army, Lord. He may not show you chariots of fire in your front yard, but he will open your eyes. There will be a moment, if you ask him in faith, believing, there will be that aha moment where your eyes are open and you realize, oh! I don't have to be afraid, and your life will change just like that. Has it ever happened to anybody? Those breakthroughs, yes. Those aha moments, it's called revelation. Revelation is when your spiritual eyes and ears are open. There's an unseen army. Ephesians 6.12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's Ephesians 6, 12. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. Though we walk in the flesh, that is in the natural, we do not war according to the flesh. See, that's why we think we got to keep on preaching. And you sound like the teacher on peanuts to people. we got to stop. We cannot open blind eyes. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not flesh and blood, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing. You want to cast down an argument? Don't argue, pray, open his eyes. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Even the writer of the Psalms had to pray that three-word prayer for himself. And Psalm 119.18, Psalm 119, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Open my eyes. Who do you need to pray that prayer for this morning? No doubt there's someone. I'd like to take a minute. Close our natural eyes to shut out distraction if it's helpful. Let's just bring that prayer before the Lord. Lord, that one, that family member, that friend, that employer, that employee, that neighbor, that person I've been trying to get to see the truth of who you are. That person in my life, and Lord, maybe it's myself who's so racked with fear, wears fear like a cloak. Would you open my eyes to see what Elisha's servant saw? Open my eyes. Whoever it is, just take a moment. Let's just take another minute to pray for eyes to be opened. You know who they are in your life. Just name that person just silently, just before the Lord, between you and the Lord. Open his eyes. Open her eyes. Open my eyes. Father, I thank you that today you are releasing each one of us from the burden of being the healer of the blind. We cannot do it. You are relieving us of that burden. Lord, where we have faithfully spoken the truth now, we give We give that person to you and we say, yes, Lord, open his eyes, open her eyes. If you did it for Elisha's servant, you can do it for my person. Would you open blind eyes? For any circumstance, whether it's blindness to who you are or blindness to the reality of the way things are in this life situation, in this relationship, Father God, would you open blind eyes? I cannot do it. But you can, Lord. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you that you are the healer of blindness and the opener of eyes. We just thank you and praise you, Lord, for showing each one of us today why we do not have to be afraid. Open our eyes. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we thank you for this food we are about to receive. I pray that you would bless it, bless our fellowship. May we look around and be encouragers to those who need a word of encouragement. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen.